Welcome to the podcast, People More Interesting Than Me. I'm your host, Michael Strumsky, and we have another week of me proving that other people are definitely more interesting than me. This week, we'll be talking to Nathaniel. Nathaniel has been giving online advice since 1992, when he discovered a text-only bulletin board with a relationships forum. After moving around to various social media sites, he's found a new home on Reddit, where he's given thousands of people his free advice. Nathaniel is not a licensed therapist. We talk about how to give advice, what gives him the right to give advice to other people, and to state that he is not a therapist, but he still enjoys giving out his opinion using past experience and what he believes is the right thing. Enjoy. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you've heard an episode, but it's it's basically just an interview podcast. I yeah. just try to prove people are more interesting than me, which is pretty I easy. wouldn't say that. I, I, but your, your fascination for interesting people is very similar to mine. If I walk into a room and there's a gay person or a black person or a person from a country I've never really heard of, I will gravitate towards them. I love hearing their stories because I'm not gay or black or from an, a country uh, that nobody's ever heard of. I love these stories. Uh, and to me, that makes you interesting because you care. And there's not a lot of that out there. And I don't mean like care like you want to hug them and take them in. I mean, like you really care. Like people aren't like us. Um, and I want to know what, what they are like. Yeah. I don't know. I guess it's just well, you, one of those things you don't even think about. Uh, I mean, you turned it into a thing. I just did an interview for it's a podcast called redacted the podcast. Uh, it's their friends of a uh, producer of our show and they're doing, they're only, uh, they want you to tell a story of your worst first date. <laughs> Um, so I went in and I told them a story and I haven't, I'm making people listen to it. It was, I've been the cause of many horrible first dates. I was a bit of a lech as a, as a teenager, let's say, uh, I usually kept my morals that I'll be honest and all that stuff, but my morals were also like, all right, we're done. I'm going to find someone else. <laughs> like I wasn't too big, but when I got into dating situations, my first girlfriend uh, was three and a half years. My next girlfriend was four and a half. And now I'm married 23 or 24 years. Um, so when I am in a relationship, I'm there for a long time. Um, but when I'm in between or in the first relationship, especially, uh, I was not necessarily, uh, monogamous. Uh, okay. she was, uh, <laughs> I was just, I was, a, I was, a, I was not a great person. Uh, and I think that's part of, uh, so when I was younger, uh, I, and I'm trying to just like say, I, I'm fully aware that I wasn't a great person as a kid. I was a teenager who was literally, I, I, I used sex as a reward. That's how I thought I was acceptable. I was kind of the poor kid who had cooties uh, in school. I was the computer nerd before computers were anywhere near cool. Like I got made fun of for sitting around playing on the computer by people who now sit around all day on Facebook. Uh, like, you know, like, oh, he plays on computers and talks to people on the internet. And, you know, that was way before school. Um, so like, I wasn't, I wasn't, I, I eventually found a click and found my path. Uh, with the friends that I did have, and they're fantastic friends, and I still have many of them today. Uh, you know, we don't see each other all the time, but you know, I'm I'm talking to my friend constantly, uh, you know, about stuff he's going through right now. Um, but yeah, I, I wasn't a great kid, and and I, you know, my parents probably loved me for who I was, but uh, I think the one thing uh, that changed me was towards the end of my second major relationship, 
I was, my father passed away and it hit me that I, that he would go to the VFW and hang out with his friends. And they're probably talking about how their son's a doctor or their son just bought this car repair place or their daughter's doing this. And the only thing my father could say was, well, he managed a subway for a year. You know, like, and I felt like I really, I'm the youngest of five and he had other kids to talk about. But like, when it came to me, he's like, well, he still lives at home. Uh, He occasionally works. He doesn't drive or have a car. Uh, He was in a band that uh, was called Cancerous Testicle. So like, you know, he wasn't bragging about me. It was the point when he died, it hit me. uh, He was the first person very close to me who passed away. Um, We, we, we were very much the same person. And when you hear that story, you know, there's going to be tension. Like we were stubborn, we were opinionated, we thought we were the most educated person in the room sometimes, and we fought a lot. Uh, towards the end, before he passed away, we started reaching that point where I'm an adult and I could act like an adult a little better. And he realized I was my own person, and we kind of we were getting there. And he passed away, and then you know I had to deal with all this. We never got there stuff. Um, um, so that put a lot of thinking into me, and it was at the end of that relationship I knew I was out of there. And that's when I uh, went out and actually I was still in a relationship when I met my wife. Uh, we were, we were ending. I, we were done. Like I knew it. She knew it. Uh, we just hadn't said the words. And uh, eventually in that relationship, uh, I was ready to change and I needed a push. And I think it was a couple of weeks after I met her. She told me I was a bouncer in a bar. That, that's where we met. The bar was called the happy heifer. In case you're thinking it was a proper city bar. It was not. Um, <laughs> uh she uh she said you know you either get a real job or get a new girlfriend <laughs> and i was like well um this girl is probably one of the hottest women i'll ever date and i really dig her so uh her mother set me up to get a job uh sorting uh recyclables i was on the brown bottle uh, area so as a brown bottle went down the conveyor belt i would throw it in a big bin uh that was uh a day before i quit because i knew <laughs> i was not a physical labor person <laughs> it was not for me it paid well for the time but uh, I just put my, I created a resume. I think my mom helped me and I put it out there. And this was whenever people were desperate for anybody that could work on a computer. And as I mentioned before, I've loved computers my whole life. And I was like, I don't want to hate computers, but I, I want to keep this person in my life. So I might as well try to make a career. And that's how it all started. I went, you know, my first job paid eight fifty an hour and 96 after three months. They're like, you're doing great. I'm like, okay, pay me $10. Three months later, they're like, you're really doing great. I'm like, okay, pay me twelve fifty. And I just continued. I went from the guy who didn't care about working or any of that stuff to the guy that's like, if I'm giving you my time, you're giving me money. <laughs> like I became very, very cutthroat uh, in that way. And within six or seven years, I was an IT director for a renewable power company that put turbines uh, all over the United States. And I think, uh, I don't know if they did Canada, but I think they did one international after I left. Um, so like I was literally helping a company trade energy on the, uh, on that, uh, think of it like the stock market. Mm-hmm. Um, I got them to that point. I, I connected their offices. I did all that work. And, um, shortly after that, um, you know, I, I took on another major it management job. And then I started working for a large bank where I didn't do anything it related. And I learned a whole new skill set. And this, remember, I never went to college. I, I graduated high school with a 2.222. And now all of a sudden I'm hanging out with I, I the project I worked for on this bank was for I could probably tell you the the the, the name of the company I won't just in case but they're they were the largest hedge fund manager in the world at the time and they're still very well known uh and the bank uh financial institution I worked for handled their middleware stuff so like whenever they they need to aggregate all their sales and 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 trades and we're talking sometimes tens of thousands of trades a minute 
Uh, so you aggregate them, you push them together, you see how they did, you do all the, the number crunching, and they paid us to do that for them. Uh, it took, it was a seven, five-year project to bring them on board with this software, 21 pieces of software that all had to talk to each other. Uh, it was done in seven years, uh, but I was a major part of that. It took too long, but um, I was talking uh, with people that were nowhere near my league of they were well out of my league. I should say in education, people with multiple doctorates, people. With, and these are people I had that wrangle and please. And I had at one point, I think I had under 40 uh, project managers who had to report to me and I helped coordinate them. And I'm like this guy, they, they have all their certificates. They did all their schooling and I'm this guy. Uh, so like I, 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 I took what everybody expected of me that I believed in to be like, Hey, I'm just going to be this guy that hangs out and never leaves his hometown. And uh, it took one person and one death to just kind of eventually rework me. So is you, is you, if you read any of my advice, I am very much saying people can change, but it usually takes something traumatic or dramatic to change them. Um, I believe people can change without it, but it's so much easier when you really have to look at yourself and think, who am I? And what do people think about me for real? Uh, and can I, can, you know, I, can I be better? It's not necessarily whether they think you're good or bad, but like if they're, if they think you're kind of scummy and they're right, it might be time to, uh, you know, like change expectations for yourself. So do you think you're, uh, how do I preface this? Do you think your father would be proud at where you're at today? Uh, I believe he would be. Um, I was the first, uh, of his children to own a house, uh, I was probably the second. Well, no, I wouldn't say. Uh, I've been married the longest. I think uh, my my older brother uh, he got married, but he passed away. So I think I technically beat him, um, but he stayed married till that point. Uh, but yeah, I, I you know I have a house. I pay the bills, pay my taxes. Um, I only spent one night in, uh, in, in behind bars, and it wasn't even my fault. I swear, uh, it was honestly it wasn't. Uh, quick story, uh, longer story short, a friend of mine who I'd seen in probably a year saw me on a street outside of uh, the pit campus and to see me he walked over a guy's car uh, this fight ensued nobody threw a punch or anything but uh, the cop showed up uh and the guy whose car was uh, walked on threatened my life he said i'll kill you and i said i'll break your legs i was the only one who went to jail that night the long hair thing you know you get judged um so yeah and, and then you know all the i had the the lawyer who eventually incorporated my side company was my lawyer for that uh, and he was like dude i'm uh, why are you calling me for this i'm a corporate lawyer uh but anyway we got it all handled but like uh that also changes you believe it or not one night in jail when you really don't deserve it or even if you do i guess will alter you you feel as helpless Scare as you'll you ever straight, feel basically yeah they don't tell you anything like they took my shoelaces and i had to find out later it was so i wouldn't hang myself oh yeah yeah i so, guess like if I guess I would only know that because of the movies. I mean, it's true. I didn't know. Like, this is like, you couldn't look it up on the internet. And that was probably, oh, geez, 92, maybe um, a long time ago. But yeah, I've generally good, clean record. I treat people well. You know, I take care of my, my pets, that sort of thing. He'd be proud of that. But an interesting part of that is right before my first day at my, at my very first IT job, I came home. My mother said in that morning, she woke up as I was showering. I still lived at home and she said that she had a very vivid dream that my father was laying on the bed with her and rolled over and put his arm around her. And she doesn't think it was a dream. She passed away too. So she didn't think it was a dream. Um, and she said that he said, I hope he gets fired. And she goes, why? That's not nice. She goes, because I don't want him to be a corporate person like I was. So like I'm torn on whether my dad would be proud or not. 
Uh, he didn't want, he, he very much didn't want me to go into advertising and marketing. And my entire second, my, my, the company I started on the side was entirely marketing and advertising for bars, restaurants, and nightlife. Um, it was Yelp before Yelp, uh, before Yelp killed us, I should say. We did it for 20 years and then Yelp came along and just, <laughs> we didn't have Silicon Valley money. <laughs> yeah. They owned us. Uh, so yeah, I don't, I, and my mom, I know was proud of me. Very happy. She, she loved that, you know, I was in a stable long-term relationship that, uh, I was working and achieving stuff that I didn't need to, there was no fear of me having to move home again, sort of thing. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I, I think, I think they'd both be happy that I turned into a decent person more than anything beyond success financial. I'm not, I'm not rich. I'm not, I wouldn't even say I'm moderately well off. I don't live paycheck to paycheck right now, but you know, that stuff can change. Um, but you know, I, I'm, I'm successful enough to take care of myself and the people around me. I think they'd be proud of that, but I think honestly, they'd be more proud that I'm a kind person. And I believe I'm kind anyway, unless you yeah. see me in traffic. <laughs> unless yeah. you cut me off in traffic, let's be fair. <laughs> then I invent new swear words. Let's talk a little bit more about, I guess, how you got into, yeah. I guess, relationship advice. The the very first thing, and I want to give a call out because this group still exists. It was ISCA. It's a, it was an internet. It was a I, Iowa Student Computer Association. And they had a public bulletin board system that you could only tell that into. And that's text only. It's before it's like Craigslist web pages kind even of. had graphics sort of thing. So what's that? So Craigslist without photos. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so hyperlinks, hyperlink library, basically. No, not even hyperlinks on this thing. Like you could, it couldn't know. even handle them because a lot of people didn't have browsers. It was literally you got to command line, you type telnet, put in the address, create an account. It was all text scrolling. Wait, what site was it? Hacker uh, what was that? What was the site called? It was uh, ISCA BBS. So, okay. Sorry, I thought you said yeah. links for some reason. I, I This is when I, I, shortly after, I probably two years after I got involved, I was doing uh, web design where I had to do, uh, I made uh, designs that would work with links, which okay. was a text-only browser. So yeah, it kind of does connect. I've actually interviewed uh, Lou Montulli, the guy who invented it. Nice. He's a really nice well, dude. I'm sure. like Because it, it paid off. People... Uh, people used my site because I made it accessible to everybody. Um, and it wasn't just for people who didn't have good enough computers. I made it, I put descriptions in that would describe it to people with visual impairments. Uh, I had a friend that I met through ISCA who was legally blind, but if she had a big enough screen and the right uh, eye equipment on, could read. Uh, so I made sure that it worked for her. That's um, awesome. Uh, and again, this was on my my stage of turning into a better person, I think. But I still it still mattered. Uh, I might have also been my ego wanting to reach out to as many people as possible, but uh, it did mean something to me. That just like it really means something to me now to be as inclusive as I can. Um, but back then, uh, people that was a younger crowd. We're talking anyone anywhere from usually seventeen to twenty five might be an old person on this particular chat system. And the internet was new. These were college kids using a college yeah. system or related. I Most mean, people most who had internet did it through college. I'm sure you remember. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're not. You look younger than me, but I'm about. I'm 33, but I. I mean, really? I completely understand what you're. Uh, on on ISCA BBS, uh, it was a bunch of you know, like I said, 25 or, or younger uh, people. So a lot of teens, a lot of young adults, and most of the questions at that time was like, how do I meet a girl? How do I, you know, keep this relationship going? And that's the first time I ran into anything like a poly relationship. So I got to learn too. Uh, it's never been my thing, I, especially at that time. If I'm in a relationship, I, I was a jealous person at that time and 
probably from insecurity and the need to control things, I guess. But um, again, at that age, nobody even faults you for being that person often. Like, oh, you're, you're controlling. I'm like, oh, I just love her. Um, but at that time, so I was able to look at it from the outside because I was, you know, fairly good at meeting people and talking to people and interacting. And I would give advice usually on those levels. I stayed away from the marriage topics or, you know, uh, the deep emotional stuff. And after I stopped using ISCA-BBS, you know, the, the MySpaces and the pre predecessors to it kind of took over my life. I started joining it on those sites and I got more adult questions and it was intimidating to me, but I, I made it a goal to give the best advice I could to be better than like, just break up with him. He's a cheater. I wanted to delve in. So if you look at my posts on Reddit, very rarely do I give an answer that's under three sentences. Very rarely do I give an answer that's under three paragraphs. Um, I want to talk to them. If they typed out something long, I'm going to type out something respectfully as long as them and try to let them know, hey, this isn't just a, a quick uh, lightning answer. If, you know, to this, I'm right. I try to explain it. And then it, often I'll say, hey, and, and if they really want to go for it, I'm like, please get other opinions. Uh, that's another thing that I like, I think is rare on advice places is like my, my I obviously think my opinion is the best one, but I'm not always right. And you don't hear people say that a lot. So I, I mean, I started from a fairly selfish place, not necessarily using that form to meet people, but I'm sure I would have, if they were like, I'm single and I want a guy with long hair in Pennsylvania, like, ah, I'm the guy. Uh, but it, it evolved from there. I really wanted to help people because I thought I had a perspective, but Again, as I climbed that ladder of maturity and older people, I realized I had something that a lot of advice givers can't give. I was the creepy guy. I'm not creepy. I was the, the lecherous guy. I was the cheater. I was the controlling guy. I was, you know, the, the piece of garbage that you would, should never let your daughter go out with. Um, I was that guy. And I could see it whenever they're talking about it in other people. I, I get the vibe. I can tell when uh, somebody, I don't want to call them a victim, but when somebody's being hurt, in a, what seems like a very minor way, just by their wording sometimes, because that's what one of my ex-girlfriends would say, sort of thing. So I wanted to, it's, it's, not, it's not a desire to save people from people like I was. It is an honest desire to want to make lives better if I can, to at least throw some insight into it and some maturity into the discussion if it's not there or some level-headed thinking. So I was able to grow myself over time. Um, and then Reddit seemed to work out for me because every once in a while I get downvoted and who cares? Uh, you know, my latest comments, I'm 800 plus upvotes because I just, I went and did my thing. And I think people on certain topics on certain days really respond to it. And that's what kind of keeps me going. And, and that's kind of why I started the show because I've always loved the idea on a talk show. And I want people to call in with random questions. And when it happens, it's the best part of my, my life sometimes. I'm talking to a stranger who's trusting me with very intimate details, and I can hopefully help them. Yeah. And what you were talking about before, it's kind of like I, I had a, I guess, image in my head of Leonardo DiCaprio and catch me if you can, you know, how he's basically a thief the whole movie. And then at the very end, when they catch him, they basically use his knowledge of being the yeah. other guy to kind of prove upon, which is kind of what you're doing. You're taking all your information, your experience, and you're not just stopping. You're using what you've done so far and on to help these people, which is, yeah. which is awesome. And, and the fact, and this is, again, this isn't proof that I'm good at what I do and having, but having been in a long-term relationship that I feel is successful and happy for both of us, I feel like I'm coming from a place of, I'm not just making this up. 
I never use my own wife, but if you see any of my posts, you never see, well, my wife and I, I never do that because that's anecdotal. And I try to avoid anecdotal as much as possible, even though it comes down to it. Sometimes I don't outright announce it. The other reason being people who would read my stuff and follow it can pick apart like where I might uh, have a chink in my story that I was just a little bit off on a date or I, I didn't want to discuss something so publicly and I put something else in. I try to always be 100% honest with everything I do, but sometimes it's not for public consumption to know, especially in that forum that say I got arrested one night because then it's just ar ar ammo against you. Yeah. Um, and like the, then they have a reason not to believe what you're saying. And a lot of times I've given people advice they don't want to hear. Like you do need to leave him. He is probably cheating. He told you this. You saw a picture, uh, like, you know, um, and I, I want people to just get the advice and not my life story. Uh, if possible. Uh, but I believe that the advice I'm giving echoes true based on my life. I know that sounds like a, a fuzzy line. Uh, like I'm not telling them why I believe in my own truth, but uh, I'm there and I'm comfortable doing it. I think would be the best way to put it. Yeah. And I mean, the main thing that I guess I've, I've gotten from what you've said so far is there's something I, I always tell most people who are naive is, don't trust me. Like, don't trust anyone a hundred percent. Like, I know that sounds, that sounds so pessimistic, but I think people should trust, but verify. I, I, I hate to That's, quote Ronald Reagan, but, uh, right. we, we do it. We use it every day at work where I work for very highly secure data. I, I've, I've managed DOD data and ITAR data and yes, trust, but verify <laughs> like it doesn't but, matter. Yeah. I mean, there's no reason to, I mean, obviously don't, just like you said in traffic, just put your best foot forward. But like it says, you put one foot forward just so you can take one back just in case. You never know. Yeah. Like I really want to believe in UFOs and there's a lot of decent evidence now, but I don't have enough. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. yeah like uh, Bigfoot until I see him. It's, it's always a him though. That's the weird thing. Um, it's gotta be a weird community. Uh, yeah. like I got to see a Bigfoot. Like I would, I, I, I realize there's no, oh, I, I'm going to, you're going to get hate mail if this gets out there, but there isn't, there isn't a Bigfoot. I, I wish there was. Yeah. Um, I mean, there would have to be a Mrs. Bigfoot and then junior Bigfoot and Susie something. Bigfoot. Yeah. And, and, and if there is a Bigfoot, uh, I will put this out there. Everybody clearly an alien. Um, the evidence points towards that. So putting it this way, would you tell yourself in high school anything differently oh yeah if you could go back now what would you tell yeah, him? yeah. well first off I'd, I'd probably punch him in the face i mean let's let's get through i i, I would have i would have responded to violence uh now i would uh I, it honestly would have come down to i i have a lot of regrets on how i treat I, i'm still friends with my first girlfriend we you know not like best friends we still text every once in a while or hey how you doing sort of thing um she she is doing really well. And, um, I'm very happy for her. like, is, I don't want to get into her life, but I, I'm glad that she's doing well sort of thing. Um, I just wish I would have been kinder to her because she was really an awesome person. And I was not, you know, like she, she should have had somebody better and I should have been better. Um, and, but the only problem with that is and if I would have changed, if I would listen to myself, I wouldn't be who I am today. So like my answer to that is always, no, I wouldn't touch a thing because I like the life I have now. I like my wife. I love my house. I love my, my, dog is sitting in front of me being a good dog all these things are great if i changed who i was then but if i knew i could change who i was then and still have this i would absolutely go and say listen you treat her like gold you don't 
you know, I didn't hit her or anything like that, but I wasn't a good boyfriend. You know, I was, my mind was always somewhere else or I'd hang out with my friends or towards the end, just cheat on her. Cause there was a girl there who would let me like sleep with her. Cause that even if I had a girlfriend scumbag, bad person. And she was, she to this day is a very nice person who always deserves better. And she deserved it then. And I, I wasn't that guy. And it, that's a regret. Yeah. That's something I would change. And if I had changed it, then I think I would have been, you know, my life would have been, I would have achieved adulthood faster. Okay. No, that's a good response. I, yeah, I, I, I don't know stuff like that. Like, how do you know if you'd want to change it? Obviously, if you're happy now, it goes to the thing is you could be the luckiest person alive or the other yeah. way around. I often like, uh, you know, I, I told you some of my setbacks in life, but I honestly feel I'm the luckiest person alive. I've told my wife that if we ever get divorced, she's getting half of everything minimum because I would not be here without her. Uh, and finding her was luck and listening to her was luck because I wasn't, I didn't even want a girlfriend when I met her. I was done. I didn't want relationships. Um, you know, everything like getting the first job, uh, starting a company with my, it was my best friends that I ran that company with. Like, I had to hang out with my best friends. One of them worked with me during the day. And by evening we ran a, uh, a company. Uh, I got so many good things and so much luck. And, you know, that friend passed away, sudden heart attack. And, you know, there's been setbacks here and there, but man, um, you know, I honestly feel lucky to be here and lucky to have the people I do have around me. How how was that? That must have been pretty bad, right? Your partner dying, your partner slash best friend. Was it? Uh, it was. I'm still. It's still. It's been. I don't know. I. So here's the weird thing about me. I don't know the date of my father's death or even year. I know his birthday. Um, that's what I celebrate. St. Patrick's Day. I have a beer for him. That sort of thing. With the day he died. I. I to be fair, I was giving him CPR when he died. Um, that's a little traumatic, but everything aside, I don't remember people's death dates all that well. So when my friend passed away, it was, let's just say seven, eight years ago. Um, seems like, uh, it crushed all of us. He was, uh, six foot eight. Uh, he was taller than that when he passed away. Cause he, he had a, a growth spurt later on in life. Um, he was, uh, built like a football player. In fact, we had, with some events we did with my company, we met F Pittsburgh Steelers and he was bigger than a couple and a couple like, were like, damn, you're a big boy. Uh, but he was a brilliant, uh, programmer, hardware guy, everything computer related. He knew more than anybody you've ever met guy. He must've had some very bad back issues then. Cause I'm a, I, I'm a CPE and I can't even imagine someone that tall being at a computer that long. Uh, he, I wish you could see me right now, but he basically sat like this at the key. He had it all up high and he would just mash kind of like, uh, a, one of those guys had an organ from like the yeah. 1940s. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He was, he was in it. Um, and then whenever anything broke, uh, he would punch it cause yeah, <laughs> he, 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 cause he could hurt like monitors with one hit. I think you he mean would destroy not punch. Yeah, he, he pulled back a little, um, we never ourselves got physical, but I've seen him enraged. It wasn't pretty. Um, and Hulk was the best way, although his uh, favorite Marvel, he was a big comic book guy was Thor. And the day he died, he was wearing like a Thor's hammer on his neck. Um, he's very Nordic looking, uh, just long blonde hair, the, the whole, the whole thing. When, and his, uh, the last girl he dated, uh, or yeah, she was friends before and is now, um, yeah, I don't think she could watch the Viking series without thinking of him every minute. Um, but when he passed away. Uh, we were, the company was still going, uh, we were being hurt by Yelp and we, we had some plans and all that probably wouldn't have worked, but, um, it was great. I got to hang out with my best friend for business 
uh, at work. And then after uh, several years of working together, I moved on to a different company. Uh, it wasn't my choice. It was just a, the company shrinking and they didn't need a manager anymore. He stayed. We didn't work together anymore, but we still saw each other once or twice a week, like at a bar or a bar event or something involving bar smart set around and program ideas and that sort of thing. Uh, it, it's affected me for the first year every day in some way. And even now, once a week, like if I'm sitting, I have a, a camp I go to in a little beautiful area called Ohio Pile PA. Um, just a uh, state park that is my favorite, one of my favorite places in the world. Um, and I'll sit by the fire and he just pops in my head like once an hour, like, yeah, if Chris was here, he'd like this. If Chris saw this, he would think that. If, um, and it's, I have a lot of, I have several best friends. He was one of four best men in my wedding. Mm-hmm. Uh, still friends with all of them. Still very close with all of them. Uh, and uh, it was like, I lost a brother and it didn't hurt this much. I mean, I wasn't close with that brother at all, mind you, but like somebody I knew a lot longer and probably a lot better. But when, when, when Chris passed, it was, we all just gathered at my house and he he was loved by a lot of people. We all just sat and didn't talk. Like we got together to support each other, but mostly we didn't talk. Um, it was, it was hard. Uh, and we didn't believe it, uh, that sort of thing. Like, you know, the, the first denial stage is the worst. Uh, and you know, we were, we went through that and then, uh, because of who he is and whenever he was cremated, there was no funeral. We all met at a bar and had a drinking wake and we told amazing stories about him and it fixed a couple of friendships that had kind of fallen apart with some people, um, just because we all realized like, Hey man, life is short. Um, now my friends and I, we tell each other, I love you, uh, more often. And that's the result of losing somebody that close to all of us and realizing we need to say it more. Um, so there's positives in there. Like I miss him dearly. I would, I would give so much for one more day, just hanging out with him because he was my, we were both evil geniuses sort of thing. Like, you know, uh, we met hacking. So when you mentioned uh, the, the uh, catch me if you can, I never met Abigail. I read the book actually, but I knew about the book because I, when you read hacker stories from the eighties and nineties, I am friends with those people who got arrested and then later on went to uh, work for the government and or run companies that they test your security for. So on versus, Jeff Moss, yeah. I don't know if you, you know, who Jeff Moss is, I don't know if you deal with that. He runs DEF CON and black hat. Okay. He spent a week sleeping on my floor at my mom's house. Like I know people. Um, and that's how I met Chris was through that. He just happened to live close. And we, we had everything in common. We, we love the same music. We love the same parties. We, you know, uh, I introduced him to his first wife at a party, like sort of thing. Like, Hey, this is Megan. You could, you could date her. Um, yeah, so it, it hurt a lot, like it still does. Uh, but I always try to, again, I look at the, the good, man, I got to work with my best friend for 20 years and I got to do something like I, his artwork is, I did a, a Pawn Stars episode and I'm wearing a t-shirt for my company. He designed the logo. Like, so he lives on in that logo, even though the company's not there, like it's still out there in the world and little stuff like that. And I try to like, remember the positive. I got to do amazing things with my best friend and a lot of people don't get to do that. You said that after your dad died, it kind of changed your life, kind of kicked. Yeah. Any similar, any like that after your friend? I would say I got a little more closed off. It wasn't as positive as in like, I did miss him. And, you know, I still, like I said, I have great friends. I have friends I love very dearly. Um, But I just stopped putting up with some of the more ephemeral stuff like every, you know, you have crazy friends, like they're fun. If you get to a party and they're at it, but you don't let them to your house. Yeah, they're the uh, ones you talk about with your other friends. Yeah, and they're yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. yeah. 
I stopped having as much tolerance for that level of thing. Uh, I stopped going to bars essentially too. Um, bars were fun when, when you have a six foot eight monster in a bar with you, it's a whole different experience. Like you're not afraid of anyone or anything. Uh, I'm going to ask my closing question. Okay. What is something that your parents did that you'd like to pass on to a next generation? And what is something that you might want to do a little differently or something new that they didn't do? Um, I want to say this with, with the, the fact that I know I'm 52 and when I was growing up, it was a very different time in a lot of ways. However, the one thing that I think set me apart from a lot of people of later generations and, and please take this however you want. Uh, I, uh, from the point of about 14 or 15 would leave the house unattended and not come back until depending on what my curfew was time dark one, you know, streetlights probably then and dark then 10 then when i was my senior high school was whenever i didn't have to check in i was supposed to be at dinner every once in a while to be with a family if they were doing dinner but in general uh especially in the summer i could leave at 7 a.m and come home at 11 p.m and i didn't even get so much as asked where i was or what i did you also given a lot of freedom you did have four brothers and sisters too right they they set me up for success uh my first, my, my sister was probably never allowed up past 10, let alone out until 11. My brother, I think my, my brother, Brad probably broke them in that. Like he, he was not only, um, willful, he didn't care. They couldn't punish him. Uh, he, when he wanted to skip school, he would literally just walk out. We had a side driveway with my dad had a sports car that he never fixed, but wanted to, and he would just sleep under it. And like, they caught him under there more than once. Like, why aren't you in school? I didn't want to go. Um, so like they slowly wore them down. So by the time, and I don't think it was neglectful parenting. It was, um, so much as it really, I was on my own and yes, I made mistakes and, um, but you know, uh, I was given the freedom to explore. And I think that's where, you know, it played into my curiosity, uh, and my brothers by getting in trouble at the very least, I learned how not to get caught, um, by my parents or otherwise, whatever I was doing, uh, that freedom, I wish future generations or if i had kids i would try to give them as much as i could that made sense because that freedom was uh i could wander my neighborhood and feed myself in the summer i knew which trees were fruiting when i knew where they were located i knew like all the things i knew how to get around the dogs that might be between me and the the food i wanted to eat i know how to fish i knew what streams i shouldn't have been drinking out of but did and didn't get sick somehow uh all the little things i in uh I wish kids today had more of that and they had more outside time. I get games are fun. I'm going to end this uh, conversation and go watch YouTube until I go to bed. I get it. I'm not against that culture. However, there is a lot to be said about spending hours and hours a day, days in a row in the woods or just walking on your feet uh, and not being driven or, you know, riding an e-bike sort of thing. And don't get me wrong. E-bikes are cool. Uh, I think there's something to that. So, yeah, I think I wish that I could give more of that out to the world, that it isn't such a horrible thing. Uh, it's not as dangerous as you think in a lot of places. Um, and trust your kid more and more as they get older. I did have that. Like, I wasn't immediately allowed out till 1 a.m. I had to earn it. Uh, and the reason I graduated with my C, my very low C average, was because my father said, as long as you maintain a C, you can stay home when you want, and you can you know do this and that. As soon as you go below, we have a problem. Um, and again, granted, he set the bar very low for me. Uh, I get that. 
uh, it was realistic. He he made the right call on that. If he went for B, I'd just been grounded the whole time. Uh, I I hated. I I was told to read The Hobbit my senior year, and I had already read it in fifth grade by myself. So my school didn't really challenge me. Um, it wasn't. Yeah. It, it, and again, it's not their fault. Like, and I'm not saying I'm super smart. I'm not. Um, but there were certain things that I was good at that, like, I just I was not really uh, challenged in in many ways. So, um, yeah, that I wish, I wish, uh, that's one thing I really appreciated the trust that they had in me, even when they didn't necessarily deserve it sometimes, uh, to not get killed, to not jump in a van with a stranger, to not take drugs handed to me by, you know, the guy on the corner to not, you know, steal. Uh, I mean, later on, yeah, maybe I did some shoplifting as an older teenager, but again, knew how not to get caught. They, they gave me enough, uh, that I could figure it out pretty easily. And granted, to be an adult took me many more years than some people, but that's a whole other immaturity issue that, that maybe to answer your second part of your question. Um, I think if they had outright laid some trust on me and said, you have to do this, like, you know, you have to get a job. We're going to drive you there for three months and you're going to take that money and you're going to pay for a car and you're going to take some of that money and get your own insurance that level. They were tired. I'm the youngest of five. My brothers had destroyed their insurance. It had to be me doing it myself. Um, you know, they broke my parents good. Uh, and I still yell at my older brother for a lot of that. Like I had <laughs> to use a push mower to mow the uh, one acre yard. Yeah. But so they broke the tractor. So by the time I came along, it was like, you're using the push mower. I'm not buying a tractor for you to break. I'm like, I never even had a chance to break a tractor, dad. Um, like that level of my, my, my older siblings destroyed like my, my step ups. I wish the only th that I wish that I had been given, um, a tractor. Yeah, tractor. That would have changed everything. No, just a little more trust and a little more of the time and energy that they had for that. But again, they were much older. Uh, there was three years between all of us. It's not like we were like there were four, you know, uh, kids born on the same day. It was sister, three years, brother, three years, another brother. Like it was, you know, um, my mom uh, is, I want to say, a year or two older than my wife's grandmother. So like that it's, it's a big age difference in some ways. So, um, and again, that's not their fault. Uh, I'm glad I, I'm the youngest of five. I know I was an accident and they chose to keep me <laughs> sort of thing. Like I'm grateful for what they did give me, uh, honestly, like they were, and, and I made sure before my mother died that, and I didn't, I told her outright once I'm sure, but I made sure she overheard me telling other people that she was an amazing mom and I had an amazing childhood. Like that she got to hear me tell other people that. And she was, she was an amazing person. My dad and I probably would have got along uh, had he lived long enough um, that he probably had heard something similar. Uh, he was gone a lot more. He was the, the traditional worker, overworker, come home at 10 a.m., 10 p.m. sort of guy sometimes. But yeah, he, worked, he would come home like, you know, he, he worked an hour away in downtown Pittsburgh. When he got home, if he did come home, he ran his own advertising companies as well. Sometimes he's home at 10. Sometimes he meets people for drinks afterwards. He's home at two. Um, so like, I didn't have a lot of that throwing the uh, baseball moments with my dad. Uh, he was older as well. He wasn't really interested in getting his old bones out to pick up a ball that I can't aim, you know, through way over his head. <laughs> it was, um, so I, there, there are, uh, I don't say regrets, but that was the reality of my childhood. I was not the oldest of five. I was the youngest of five, but I got a lot out of it too. There was, like I said, my brothers beat them down to the point where they were just they were, happy. I wasn't in jail. They know? were the pioneers. Yeah, they were the exactly. uh, lab rats, and you yeah, were and also, the uh, end result. And they were very angry about all the stuff I got away with, and I was very happy that like um, that they could buy me alcohol when I wanted. <laughs> hey, you're yeah. old enough to go to a bar, right, Stephen? Yeah, can you, you know, please? 
You could have five dollars. <laughs> you can have five dollars. Well, thank you very much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Hey, thank you for inviting me. I really appreciate being here. If I can give a, a quick plug. Yeah, of mind. course. The the work we've been doing, I have two great producers, Josh and Zaz. Uh and I really want to call them out for being wonderful producers and believing in what I want to do with this show. It's hard to get like a, a couple guys together to do a relationship advice show. You know what I'm saying? Like it's it, not typical. It's not a common ask for friends. It's hard to get and, people uh, together in general. So, and, and I, and I want to get back to that. It's great working, doing something with friends. Um, I, you know, like I lost my best friend and these guys are good friends. I don't know about best yet. We'll see. Uh, but we really connect. We get along. We have the same sense of humor and getting to work with them on this. Uh, and what is this thing that I'm not even talking about? The Relationship Smith Show. And you can just go to therelationshipsmith.com. You can find me on Reddit as The Relationship Smith. If you look on Twitch, YouTube, um, you'll find us there. You'll find some pretty bad recordings right now because we just switched to something I think is going to make it much better. Um, but uh, if you want to give us a check, any relationship uh, advice at all I can give from uh, actual romantic relationships to friends, business. I give a lot of business uh, relationship advice online because... Uh, this is something, uh, again, it's a little side thing real quick. We've noticed that a lot of relationship questions, a disproportionate amount of what it would have been a couple of years ago are workplace relationships. Mm. And what we started thinking was 2020 set people so far back and they're still not really going out and being social in bars and events that when they got back to work, the whole RTO thing, these are the single people they're seeing now. So we're seeing a really large uptick in questions about, I think this girl at work likes me. I think my boss is into me and we're like, oh, please don't do this. Like, don't. It's it's the workplace. It's not a bar. The proximity. Odds of it out. Proximity yeah. breeds. Uh, yeah. What's, what's that word? Proximity breeds closeness. I think it's something like that. Romance. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. Um, so, yeah. And we're, like I said, it, that's sometimes it's just purely work. Sometimes it's work romance. Sometimes uh, we try to give an honest opinion. And uh, with my producers are not afraid to speak up with their opinions. Or to tell me I'm off base, which I love immensely. And I also have, uh, we have a friend of the show. She's a, uh, a therapist who will occasionally call in or listen to something or read some advice I've given and let me know, hey, you're doing a good job here. I like how you did this and you're promoting that. So like I try to also keep myself, I'm not a therapist. Uh, I just try to get you advice. And a lot of times my advice will be talk to a therapist. Um, you can't do that in a, in a talk show format. You can't get really deep and dive in with somebody. And I've been fortunate to hit some eureka moments with people, but it's not the same as therapy. It's a chiropractor versus a doctor. I wanted to thank you, man. I really love talking to you. Uh, this was a very natural and flowing, great conversation. Uh, I let, thank you let, let, for letting me ramble. So, <laughs> hey, thank you so much. Have a great night. You do. See ya. Bye. See ya. If you like this week's episode of People More Interesting Than Me, Please follow me on Apple Podcasts so you won't miss out on more episodes like these.